Hello, everyone. Again, welcome to Refuge Fellowship. This is our Christmas service here on December 20th. So we actually will have also a Christmas Eve service, but today is our Christmas service. So we have a special message talking really about Christmas gifts. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we get into that, I want to give a few quick announcements, especially in this Christmas season, this sweet December as you celebrate it in Myanmar. There are still so many ways that we can stay in fellowship and stay in God's word and just be fed even though we're dealing with this pandemic in our world. I just want to let you guys know a few announcements. Every Tuesday, we still have our conversational English Bible study. It's still taking place. And if you want to join us, message us for the link. We will still have that every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. In our men's study, we've not had it for December, but in in January, we're going to start that back up again on Saturday mornings. So if you're a man, you need fellowship, you want to hang out with other guys, join us on Saturdays. We usually have an amazing breakfast, a manly kind of breakfast, and we will resume that in January. Women, you guys need to stay in fellowship. Every Saturday, we have women's study at 4.30. Again, message us on Zoom if you want to have the link. It's just an amazing study through Love God Greatly. It really keeps you in the Word each and every day. It's an amazing chance to just fellowship with other women and stay in God's Word. Youth, we didn't leave you out. Christian was up here leading us in worship. He also leads our youth group every Saturday. So again, message us. It's at 7 p.m. every Saturday. Youth, join. It's a great way to stay in fellowship, but there's also... Along with studying of God's word, there's a lot of games, there's a lot of fun. Just They have a great time, the youth. So again, message us if you're interested ever in that. Then, it is Christmas season, it is sweet December. So we have a special service coming up on December 24th at 7 p.m. We will have a Christmas Eve candlelight service. So please put that in your calendar. Don't forget, December 24th again, 7 p.m. candlelight service here at Refuge and online. Now, the most important announcement I have for each one of you is we want to know how we can pray for you. We really, here at Refuge, we love to pray for one another. We love to lift each other up in prayer. So please let us know how we can be praying for you. Let us know specifically what's going on in your life. Give us the updates. Let us know. And also, we want to praise the Lord with you. So let us know how God is working in your life and the praise reports that we see and hear about out there. We want to praise the Lord also with you. So again, thank you so much for joining us at Refuge today. If you've got your Bibles, you're going to need them. You probably want to grab that. Open up your Bibles as we get going. You've got your Bibles. We're going to be a little different today because it's Christmas. We're actually going to be in John chapter 3. So we're going to take a break from being in Acts in our series that we've been working through in Acts. And we're going to be in John chapter 3 today. And today, as it is Christmas, and I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a sweet December I want to talk about gifts, especially Christmas gifts, right? I mean, have you, it's the season, right, for gift giving. Have you already given out some gifts to your family and friends this season? What type of gifts have you given so far? I know I received some gifts today in this last week. I've been so blessed by the gifts that I've received. Now, some of you maybe, especially maybe some of the children, are really thinking about the gifts they hope to receive. That's all right, too, right? We like to receive gifts. I think everyone likes that. If you're thinking about and hoping that you would be given a certain gifts, a certain gift, sorry, what gift would you like to receive? Think about that. What present would you hope to get this Christmas? You know, I have a, I have a gift for everyone here tonight. 
You know, I, uh, many families, as we think about this, the gift that we're going to have tonight is God's Word and, the, and a blessing from the Holy Spirit, I believe. And as I think about Christmas season and all the different traditions and the things that we do during this season, many families have many different traditions. What traditions do you have? I know one thing in Myanmar here is a lot of people, they go out caroling, right? And that's something I think we've really missed this year due to the pandemic. But maybe some of you still have some other traditions. Think about the traditions that you celebrate during this Christmas season. Usually, as my family, one of our traditions is that we do buy presents for each other. We buy gifts for each other. And then after we've purchased the gifts, we wrap them, right? We put the bows on it and the name tag, and then we place them all under the tree, and then we wait, right? We wait until, our family waits until Christmas morning. Then everyone gathers in the front room or wherever it be, and they receive and open up each other's gifts. I don't know how you do it here. Everyone has different traditions, maybe. One tradition that's a little bit different that my family does is we also have something special on Christmas Eve. Each member of the family is allowed to pick out one Christmas gift from under the tree of all the different gifts they've received and open it on Christmas Eve night, right? So think about this. If you could open up one present early, you, you know, if you, especially if you're a child, right? You could open up one gift early before Christmas to play with all night. How would you pick that gift from under the tree, if you imagine looking under the tree, we have a tree right here. You see some gifts under there, right? Think about this. Would you pick the biggest present out? Would that be the one you would pick? Or would you pick maybe even the smallest one? Sometimes the most valuable presents come in the smallest packages. Or maybe the best wrapped gift, right? Maybe is that how you would pick out your gift? Or maybe you would determine which one you wanted to open by who it was from, Right? So you see if it's, oh, it's from my grandpa or my grandma. It's from someone special. Maybe that's how you determine which gift you'd like to open early. Think about that. What would make this gift an amazing gift? Is it the cost of the gift? Is that what makes a present amazing? Or is it the gift's usefulness in your life as you could use it? Is that what makes a gift amazing? How, or is how much an enjoyment the gift will bring you determine its value. Is that what makes a gift an amazing gift? Again, maybe what makes it valuable to you is who it's from, or maybe even what it cost them. And I don't mean financially, but maybe it cost them a lot of time as they made it and they poured their heart into it. And maybe this gift would come from their heart. Is that what makes a gift valuable? As you think about these questions, I want to share with you, one of the gifts that I've received this last year that I found was I really enjoy. You know what that gift is? That I've received a physical gift is a barbecue. As we have it going tonight and barbecuing some meat for everyone, it's one of my favorite gifts that I always receive is a barbecue. And the reason is, is because I use it all the time. I enjoy using it. I enjoy using it because it allows me also to bless others with providing them some wonderful food throughout the year. So that's one thing that I've noticed that I find that gifts to me are valuable is when I can use that gift throughout the year to bless others with also, year after year even. Tonight even, uh, my family and us, we're going to enjoy some wonderful smoked meats, some prime rib, a rack of lamb, some chicken, and even maybe some ham. 
We're going to have some wonderful meets tonight and enjoy and celebrate Christmas and fellowship together. So as I've got you all hungry and thinking about it, we should probably get going with this sermon because I think you guys are going to get hungry thinking of all the food that you're going to have for dinner afterwards. So again, we've been, I've been talking about worldly gifts, right? What would make a gift valuable, right? Let's expand our thinking. Let's think bigger than worldly gifts today. Let's think about what would be the greatest gift the world could ever receive. What would that be? Would that be complete world peace? What do you think about that? That'd be an amazing gift, wouldn't it? World peace throughout the entire world. That'd be a big gift. What about the gift that no one would ever be hungry again in the entire world? That's, that's a pretty good gift. What about that no one would ever be sick again with any disease or pandemics in the entire world? That's a big gift. But you know what's amazing? I mean, these are great gifts. But I can think of an even bigger one because you know what's, pro- what's wrong with some of these gifts I just mentioned? They're still temporary, right? They're still of this world. I mean, it would be amazing. I, I'm not disagreeing to have world peace, no world hunger, to have no sickness. But it's still just worldly. It's not eternal. So think of that. What would be the biggest gift ever that would last throughout eternity? That's what we're talking about today, right? I'm thinking a Christmas gift so amazing that there are no words... In our language, whether it's English, Myanmar, or some other language or tongue, that can even be used to truly and properly describe it. Can you imagine that? A gift so amazing, there's no earthly words in our vocabulary that could even describe a gift like that. you got your Bibles. Hold your place in John chapter 3, but I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to look at verse 9. Are you there? That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. This is a gift. A gift that is so great that it is beyond our imagination. Think of that. It's so amazing. It's beyond anything you could even imagine. And it was gave to the world to each one of us, in love by the creator of all things known to exist, is given to us in love by the creator of space, time, eternity, to each one of us. Just ponder that. Think about that. Are you interested in receiving this kind of gift? As I was studying for this today's sermon, I was trying to think and find scriptures and words to express, to explain to everyone what is heaven. How do you explain this, this gift in words? Then I start reading the scripture and it says there is no words to describe it, right? But there is some ways to describe what heaven is. And one of the resources I use, and I will tell inform you, you should use it too, is gotquestions.org. It's a great resource. And I typed in on the internet, watch Google, it'll give you some bad things, but gotquestions.org's got some great resources. I typed in, what is heaven? Right? You gotta be careful when you type that in in Google. But this website has great. They said it this way, heaven is a place of no mores. What's that mean? Heaven is a place of no mores. They said there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow. Heaven is a place of no mores. I love that description. 
as much as we cannot even imagine what heaven is and how great it is, we can also talk about what is not in heaven. There's no more sin. There's no more pain. Again, keep your fingers in John, but I want to, look to, I want to talk about this for a minute. Turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. I want to look at verse 4. Speaking of heaven, Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Isn't that amazing promise? Isn't that amazing? A gift of eternal life in heaven is the greatest gift that has ever been given at the greatest cost ever known. Think about that. Jesus Christ took each of our sins personally. I mean, he took the world's sin. We know that. But he took each of our sins personally upon himself, which, was, which resulted in his death. He did this for each of us so we each could have this gift. But have you received this gift? Have you accepted this gift? That's the question. This year, 2020, I'll be glad to see it behind me. I think everyone would probably agree, right? But this year has brought up so many questions for so many people, and they're asking, they're asking questions. What would happen if I got this coronavirus? What would happen if I were to die tomorrow from this sickness? What would happen to my loved ones if they got sick and died? Where are they going to go? What's going to happen to them, right? The questions are out there. And the gift of eternal life is right there, like sitting like a present under a tree, just waiting for the people to come to faith in Jesus and come and accept that free gift. It's free to us. It costs Jesus, but it's free to us. And this week, it's Christmas, right? It's sweet December. We are celebrating the very birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever given to the world. And through faith in Jesus Anyone, anyone, no matter what they've done or going to anyone can have this gift of spending eternity in heaven with no more. Remember, with no more, no more pain, no more fear, no more sickness, no more death, no more coronavirus. Just being immersed in the love and the glory in the very presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just try to imagine that. I mean, we can't fully. We can't, but we can kind of try. Today, we're going to read in our Bibles, we're going to read a story, how anyone can receive this gift. I mean, I, I keep saying that, but we need to understand this. The greatest gift, anyone can receive it. So turn back to John chapter 3. That's where we'll start here. And let's start with reading this story in John chapter 3. Let's read, starting with the first three verses. Four, let's read four verses. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? A question has been presented here in these passages, in these scriptures, right? How can one be born again? How can one be saved? Let's 
As we get into this question, and I will answer this question, let's start with, who is this Nicodemus? Who is asking this question? Let's start there. Nicodemus, he's a, he's a well-respected religious leader of the day, right? Well-respected. This man was very educated. He had great knowledge of the scriptures. But Nicodemus, we see in this passage, is in his wisdom, he saw, he noticed that God was with Jesus. He says that, right? And he's curious now. He's curious to understand who Jesus is and curious to understand this teaching that Jesus had been speaking of. I'm sure, like many of you out there, just like Nicodemus, you're listening today. Hopefully, many of you, as you're listening, you're seeking the truth about Jesus and his teachings, right? Maybe just as Nicodemus, he came in the night, scared to come out in the open. Maybe there's some of you out there today that are doing the same. You're, you want to know more. You're questioning, who is Jesus? What is this eternal life? What is this gift that he's talking about? Please, message us. Let us, if you have questions, just like Nicodemus had questions, come to us. Let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. Because we can see here that there is only one way a person can have eternal life in heaven. Right? To inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said to him. He said to Nicodemus, look at that verse. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So after Nicodemus meets Jesus, talks to Jesus, Jesus immediately responds with this big, huge statement, right? It was huge. I mean, this was a huge statement to this respected religious leader of the day. Could you imagine saying this to someone, just walking up? Think about it. If anyone were able to see the kingdom of God or go to heaven, wouldn't it be this well-respected Jewish leader within the church? Wouldn't you think? I'm sure this man, Nicodemus, had attended all the festivals as he was required by the law. I'm sure he had given all the correct offerings as was required. I'm sure that he served his people, the Jewish people, and helped meet their needs. He was a good man. If anyone were to go to heaven, wouldn't it be Nicodemus, a well-respected religious leader? Wouldn't it be Nicodemus? He he obeyed all the rules. Nicodemus was great. Even a godly man, perhaps, wasn't he? Think about the world around us today, right outside these doors, right outside your houses. I see great men all around us, great people, men and women who are extremely dedicated to serve the people in their communities. They're everywhere around in Myanmar. They're very religious. They're very devout. Every day you see them. They're feeding the poor. We see them out there. They're educating the poor. They're giving care to those in need, whatever that would be. They're truly denying themselves personally to go out and serve the people of Myanmar. You see these men everywhere in Myanmar, don't you? Well, these men see the kingdom of God. Look at verse 3. What's it say? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, believe if they do enough good works, they will gain enough merit so they will have a better life when they pass from this life to the next i want to repeat that especially with my micro many people in this part of the world especially in asia and myanmar believe if they do enough good works or if they gain enough merit they will have a better life when they pass from this world to the next but what does verse three say no you must be born again 
In fact, as we talk about works, everybody's doing works, right? What does the Bible say about our good works? Who knows the verse I'm going to go to? Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wilter and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. We have just talked about men and women in our society, in our community, and people that we know who has given their entire lives to serving others. We would like to think that such men as Nicodemus even would be saved. The truth is, no matter how much good or bad you've done in the world, you can never earn or disqualify either yourself of being born again. Okay, so look at verse 4. Back in John chapter 3. Verse 4, John chapter 3. What do you see happening there? What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Obviously, Nicodemus was very confused, right? I mean, I'm sure there's people out there asking the same question. They're very confused. What does it mean to be born again? You just think about that statement. It's confusing. It could be confusing. So let's continue, and we will expound on that in the next many verses. Let's look at verses 5 through 9. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how the people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus answers his question that being born again must come from the Spirit of God, and then we join in with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you maybe are still just as Nicodemus, though, asking, maybe a little confused, not understanding it. And Jesus explains that it's through faith in Jesus that one can be born again. Now, the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God who gives birth to this new spiritual life, which results in us being born again. And to try to help explain that, I... We see the passages, so how do you... I thought about it this way. See if I can explain this in a way that I think I could better understand it. And don't laugh too hard when I ask you this question. Can you explain how physical life is created? Some of you smiling, right? Can you explain how physical life is created? We can't. Now, I know that we know what took place that led to a new life being created, right? We know that part, right? A relationship took place between a man and a woman, and then a new life is born. So we know that part, but how is life given? Can you explain it? I don't think any of us can. So when we come to faith in Jesus, a new relationship is formed between us and God, right? Through Jesus. Now between that a new spiritual life is created. A new person 
is born. And we are born again. I hope, I don't know if you can understand that, but I found it helpful for me. Jesus, then he goes on in these passages and he uses the example of wind. We know wind exists. Everyone knows wind exists. We feel it. We hear it. We see its effects. But can any of you explain it truly and understand wind, where it goes, where it comes? No. So just because we don't understand perfectly something such as wind, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or it isn't true. And some things in spiritual nature are the same. Just because we can't have a complete understanding at this point, we will one day in our glorified state, doesn't mean they don't exist. But Nicodemus here, he's still having a difficult time, a hard time understanding how he is to be born again. We see it right in that last part of that verse, in verse 9. So again, let's see as Jesus is further going to clarify this in verses 10 through 15. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish leader, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you, what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and Moses, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is basically saying to Nicodemus, well, you believe. Well, you come to faith. Jesus shows Nicodemus through these passages that he should have seen Jesus through the scriptures, the very scriptures that he had studied all his entire life. And it was in faith that Nicodemus needed to come to to be born again through Jesus Christ. Nicodemus should have had this knowledge already about Jesus and his coming and how he would be lifted up through the scriptures. The entire Old Testament is the foretelling of Jesus and how he would be lifted up so that all, every one of us, in faith can be given the greatest gift of eternal life. You've, now, each of you, everyone out there, you've been presented the truth. You've been presented the gospel. The gospel has been shared with you. Look at verse 15 again. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and I believe talking to every one of us in these verses, that the choice is each of ours. Well, we believe, well, we receive this gift of Jesus Christ. Let's continue. Look at verses 16 and 17. Ready? Everyone knows these verses. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. One of the most quoted, maybe one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. Jesus explains first why. Do you see that in the verses? He starts with why. Look at the verse. He explains the reason for what he has done. What was the reason? Love. It starts with love. God loves each one of you so much that we read here and we know that he gave his only son as payment for your sin. 
God allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take your place, paying the price of every sin you've ever done or that you ever will do. Uh, you know, I think, I can't even imagine this. You know, I, as I try to imagine this and get this in my head, I think about my own son. You know, many of us here have families. So think about this. I mean, I have a son. I'll tell you, I'm so proud of my son. He is the best son a father probably could ever ask. You hear that, Aaron? I love him in ways that I didn't even know was possible before I had a son, right? And I have, there's no doubt I would lay down my life for my son or any of my other family members for that fact, right? I don't want to leave the girls out or my wife out. But I asked you earlier the value of gifts. There is nothing more important or more valuable to me than Jesus, my wife, and my children, my family. And then we're in that order. God has blessed me beyond my imagination with the most amazing family that I could ever even dream or imagine to have. And I'm sure many of you out there can say the same today. Many of you can, as you think about that and reflect how you've been blessed, as you think about that in your own son, and maybe some of you are younger and don't have sons yet, but you can imagine if you had a son, or maybe you can just imagine your brother or someone very, very close and dear to you. Let's remember and look back and see what these Jewish people had done to Jesus, God's son, with that context of our relationship to our loved ones. They arrested him. They put him on trial. They insulted him. They beat him. They humiliated him. They killed him in the most painful, humiliating way that they knew of in the day. While they did this, they were laughing and mocking him and gambling over his clothes. Just imagine this. Then, as this is taking place, what did Jesus do? What was his response to the people doing this to him? Turn back to Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. God had given his son in a horrific fashion, crucifixion, to save each of us from the penalty of our sins. I can't even imagine giving my son or some other member of my family to those who hated him to be crucified so that they could have salvation. This is what God has done for each one of us. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he has given us a new life. This gift to be born again as a new creation in his spirit at the cost of his son, Jesus Christ. Just think of this. In these next verses, Jesus is going to explain the results of either accepting this gift or, unfortunately, of those that refuse the gift. Let's look at the last verses, 18 through 21. Listen very closely to these verses. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. 
And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil, and and who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it? For fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see they are doing what God wants. Jesus explains to each of us the gift of being born again. That if we are born again, if we accept this gift, we will not face judgment for our sin. If we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will not face judgment for our sin. This gift of inheriting the kingdom of God, of going to heaven to have an eternal life, is free to anyone at the cost of Jesus' life. The other choice he talks about, it's clear, the refusal. Those that refuse to come to faith and be born again will be held accountable for their sins. It's very clear. You know, I see fear in these last few verses. I see some of these people that refuse to come to faith, that refuse to accept this gift. It's because of fear, and it's because they love their sin more than they love Jesus. What is holding you back from accepting this gift? Nicodemus, he came in secret, right? He came to Jesus and asked Jesus, what does a person have to do to be born again? I ask you the same question today. Nicodemus didn't understand right away, did he? But he came in faith without a complete understanding of what it meant. That's what it came down to. How does a person receive the greatest gift that has ever been given to the world? Faith. If you want to be born again, if you want to be saved from the penalty of your sins, to be forgiven of all your sins that you've ever committed and that you will ever well commit, to have eternal life in heaven, to have that same power residing in you that raised Jesus from death, to have power, here's one, to have power over sin in your life today. Today. You no longer can be slaves to sin if you have the power of God residing in you. And this happens by being born again. Have you received the gift from Jesus that you will go to heaven, the place of no mores? Where will you go when you die? Where will your family members go, your friends? Will you go to the place that there's no more pain? There's no more fear? There's no more needs? There's no more sickness? There's no more death? Just being immersed in the love and the glory and the presence of God, is that where you're going? I pray that if anyone out there doesn't know that answer, they would pray with me today and accept Jesus, his gift to them. It's through faith in Jesus. To repent of your sins, to turn and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and just believe. Believe that he loved you so much that he allowed himself to be placed on the cross, to be crucified, to pay the debt of your sin and then three days later was resurrected. I want to close with a verse and with a prayer. First with the verse. Please turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians. If I can get there. Chapter 2, verse 8. Everyone there? It's an important verse. Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by His grace 
when you believed. And you can't take the credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Please pray with me, and then we will continue our worship service. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this Christmas gift, as we've read about. The gift of having our sins forgiven. And Lord, that gift is sitting there, Lord. Your hands, both hands are out there, outstretched, just waiting for anyone to come to you, come before you, and accept this gift of eternal life. Accept the gift that you has already paid for through your son's death on the cross. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would sweep throughout this world right now, starting right here in this fellowship, Lord, and convict, convict all those that are out there that have not received their gift, their need, and install a desire in them, Lord, to come before you and take this gift. Open it. The most valuable gift they could ever receive the ability to spend eternity in heaven with you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just speak to those out there. Maybe some of them are still scared. Maybe some of them enjoy their sins. But Lord, I just pray, Lord, you would speak to them. Speak to their hearts. Lord, that many would come to know you. They would come to know the power that could reside within them. The power that defeated sin. The power that will defeat the sin in their own lives today. The same power, Lord, is residing in each of us that have accepted that gift. Lord, I thank you. I thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ, for giving me that opportunity, Lord, at the greatest cost that I could ever even possibly imagine. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for this time that we can worship. I thank you for your word. I thank you for our Bibles, Lord. I thank you for the gift of songs so we can worship you. Lord, we praise you this season. We thank you for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this Christmas season, Lord. We praise you. We exalt you. And Lord, as we were singing earlier, just to fall on our knees before you, on our faces, Lord, and thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord. Opportunity to be free. Free from sin. Free from death. Please, Lord, if there's anyone out there that does not know you, that has any doubt at all, because they should have no doubt, it is by faith alone they'd come to know you today. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.